0: Welcome back to episode 61 of the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. Today we're going to listen to a motivational speech by David Goggins, who is an American ultramarathoner, ex-Navy SEAL, uh, ex-Army Ranger, triathlete, and uh, world record holder for pull-ups, the most pull-ups in 24 hours. Uh, He was also part of the United States Air Force Tactical Team general badass David Goggins. And he'll get into his story, but he started out, he was like 300 pounds, out of shape. And so I guess he saw a commercial or something and it kind of motivated him and he wanted to become like a Navy SEAL. I might have the facts twisted a little bit, but he'll get into it in the podcast. I did a podcast on David Goggins about a month ago and uh, did very well. People seem to enjoy listening to it. Got good feedback on it. So... The thing the thing that strikes me about David Goggins that stands out is that the prime mover for him and the motivator was his upbringing he'll get into it where he grew up in a racist town and you know abusive father pretty pretty bad upbringing pretty pretty tough and he kind of powered through it and got through it but what you'll notice throughout the whole speech it's about it's about an hour is the strength of his mind this guy has an incredibly strong mind and he's able to wipe out the bullshit from, from what's getting in the way of him getting to where he wants to go. So, and he says a couple of things that stand out. One of them is that, you know, we change our jobs, we change our cars, we change our homes, but we never change the way we think. And that kind of stood out. Um, the other thing that he gets into, he says, just stop overthinking stuff, just do it. I guess like the Nike Nike commercial, but this guy really does just do it. Let's just talk about it. And he says that, interestingly enough, he says he keeps it up until today, he keeps his refrigerator empty so that he, he'll he never feel too cozy. You know, something just to kind of keep him sharp. He, he speaks about that like keeping your mind sharp. And the other thing he gets into is how people love seeing you fail. So when you kind of sum it up, what 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 David Goggins really is is putting forth and 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 his propon- pr- proposing is the strength of your mind and the ability to just wipe out bullshit from from your paradigm from your thinking cycle or from from your way of approaching life you know he's a go getter this guy tremendous i mean the guy's freaking amazing um yeah, I can get into some different motivational things about him and what he says, but, you know, nobody's going to say it better than he does. So this is one of the better uh, better motivational speaks that I've heard from him. And uh, you'll get a lot of value out of it because uh, the guy is one of a kind. And he really, really demonstrates it in how he lives his life and and the success that he's achieved in his life. I mean, you can... You, I'll tell you something. If you're kind of new at this, or kind of a younger person, and don't have a lot of experience, you might want to get a pencil and paper and kind of jot down some of the things that he says. Or, or you know, go to obviously go to YouTube and check him out. You know, for, you know, technology today, right? It's simple. So let's let's get into this, David Goggins, and uh, yeah, I'll just put my information at the end here. Let's get into it.
1: I live like a monk. And that's how I still want to live. It's like a monk. Mm -hmm. But people may say, wait, like one thing about me, you're going to realize I shoot straight up how it is. I'm a straight shooter. Basically, I don't like doing it. I don't like social media. I can't stand it. I can't stand being out here, all this stuff, but I have a story to tell. And the only way you can tell your story is through social media platforms and through Mm -hmm. all these different platforms and, that's, that's why I'm doing it. Well, one thing you'll see, the social media I have up there is not about me. There may be some pictures about me, some, but there are mm-hmm. quotes about, you know, videos, just about mindset, about changing how you think about things, about not having the poopy pants mentality, the roll with me mentality. And just to make it clear, it's not about push yourself till you die. Some people have this weird image of David Goggins, and that's what it's about. Right? No, it's about push yourself a lot harder than what you think you can push yourself, and stop giving up when you feel a little bit of daggone pain or uh-huh. something's uncomfortable. No, that's what the message is: not push yourself till you can't live anymore. It's about just push yourself harder than we did yesterday. Basically, I was a bigger guy. I had just gone through, I was in three Navy SEAL Hell Weeks and mm-hmm. so in that in that period of time you meet a lot of people, a lot of good men. Um, so in one year, there happened to be a time frame where the CEO, the commanding officer of Navy SEAL training, he was an old salty guy named Captain Bowen, he was an old Vietnam vet guy. and. Pretty much wherever you were at in training, and still training, cha- like like I'm going through still training, mm-hmm. and still training is 26 weeks long. That's buts. Right. So now where you're at, you if you got hurt, or and you couldn't continue on with training, or if you failed something, he believed in keeping you in training, but he would roll you back to day one. Mm-hmm. So, generally, if you get hurt in phase two of buds you get rolled back to day one of phase two uh-huh. if you get hurt in phase three you get rolled back to phase three day one this guy said no 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 we're gonna roll you all the way back to day one phase, phase one. one so how I went through three hell weeks was my first time going through had a hernia issue double pneumonia pretty jacked up got rolled out of that hell week started day one next class went through that full hell week graduated that hell week um, a few weeks after that hell week I broke my leg started day one again and um so basically I got rolled back to day one but usually nowadays if you get hurt after hell week that's where you stay right after hell week you don't have to start from day one right but happened to be a few classes there that I was in that they rolled you back to day one and then my oh, last hell week a, a, a guy died but we, I graduated that last time, 235, class 235, and, you know, went on to do a few deployments and came home. And mm-hmm. the, the lone survivor story was going on. Marcus Attrell was out there in Operation Red Wings, and I heard about it. I was about 260-some-odd pounds whatever I was. I don't know the exact weight. I was mm-hmm. much heavier. And I wanted to raise money for families, man. Well, a lot of people don't know my backstory, how I, how I grew up, and I'm, I'm maybe we'll touch our base on it. But I came up pretty rough, you know. I had a very abusive father. I grew up in a small town called, you know, in, in, in Indiana, mm-hmm. that the Klan headquarters was about 20 minutes from where I lived. So um, people talk about being bullied now, like somebody calls you fat, and I got called the N word my whole my whole childhood. They sprayed it, you know, they they spray painted it on my car. We're gonna kill you. It was just a rough way to come up. I was born and raised, I was born in Buffalo, New York. My dad was actually one of the people that helped Rick James become famous. Oh, wow. So, and he actually real good friends with O.J. Simpson. And that was the kind of crowd he he came up in. So he was a very abusive guy. You know, he would drag my mom down the stairs by her hair when he'd get in fights. Like Ike Turner style. Like Turner style. Yeah. So he also did the same thing to me and my brother. mom so mom was working the the club with my dad and at when i was eight or nine we moved to this small town indiana so to make ends meet she worked three jobs and also went to school full time mm-hmm. so she was never around while i was growing up and my brother stayed with my dad so i was on my own wow dealing with this stuff growing up so from the age of six years old the age of 12 years old you built self-esteem i had zero i was pretty much the weakest kid on the planet Got emotional and physical from my dad, and then you leave that when you're eight or nine, and you go to this small town, in Indiana, and you get called the N word every day of your life. Right. You had the you know Grand Wizard's son of the Klan sit behind you in history class. Oh, so it was a good time. Right. So it was uh it was a you know I had to grow up a lot, and and I had a lot of excuses to not make a damn thing of myself. Um, I had you know I was. I had ADD, I had tons of learning disabilities because I didn't go to school like, like I'm with my father. Mm-hmm. So I, I was very slow in school. So I had to learn all the high school pretty much in six months. I graduated 213, not 214 in my graduating class. And I cheated on every daggone test, cheated on every homework assignment. And that's how I got through school. And I had no self-esteem whatsoever. I Half the time I didn't want to go to school because I didn't get called the N word every day. And I hate even saying the N word. So if you don't mind, I'm going to say the real world. Yeah, Yeah. I hate being called nigger all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to keep it as real as possible. So, but that's what it was. So I, as a young kid in high school, I was a part of this program called Civil Air Patrol. It's an auxiliary of the Air Force, like ROTC, like, like Junior ROTC. Right, right, right. And I met this guy who had a parachute accident. He was an Air Force vessel operator guy. He had a parachute accident, pretty much died,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and some Navy SEALs. Funny story about that. He taught these two Navy SEALs on how to do tracheotomies. Those two Navy SEALs actually saved his life the next day. So he had a parachute accident. Somebody fell through his parachute when they are in midair. His parachute was wide open. Somebody was still in mid-freefall. Went through his parachute, collapsed his parachute, knocked him out. That's what saved his life because he was knocked out, uh-huh. and he fell to the ground. And he actually was, was you know, hardly able to breathe. These guys traked him open, got a clear airway, got him breathing. He got to the hospital. He died twice in the operating table. They saved his life. It's five years later. I'm 16 years old, 15 years old. I meet this guy at this camp. And long story short, um, I had a one week with this guy along with all these other white kids. I was, I was always the only black kid uh-huh. at all these daggone camps. So here I am with this guy, and I hear this story, and it, and I had nothing to, to grasp growing right. up. I had no mentors, I had no motivation, I had nothing. So I held on to that story, and he became my real life Rambo. Mm. I said, that's what I want to be, I want to find that kind of strength, because I had none growing up. So, basically, I left that camp a week later, and a few months later, you know, this is before instagram and twitter and google and (laughs) face all this crap i had a five or six hundred dollar phone bill tracking this guy down so i called he was an air force special operator so i called every air force base on the planet this this is the way out man i can actually get some self-esteem i can actually gain some manhood and be able to look at myself in the mirror versus being this coward That the whole world had created. I I let the whole world create who I I was and how I thought. Mm -hmm. And that was the first mistake I did. I saw myself as the weakest human being on the planet. And I wanted to transform that into the hardest man God ever created. What's funny about that, he laid the platform for me. He gave me nothing, but I never said, well, I love God. I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man. So my mind was never like, God, why me? Why this? Why that? He laid the platform for me to be exactly who I wanted to be. Yeah. And you see the mindset switch versus me saying, what well, was me? They called me nigger. They did this. They beat me up. They put nigger. We're we'll going to kill you on my car, all this stuff. I took all that stuff, and instead of making it, what well, was me? Man, my life sucks. Oh, God, why me? Why me? I said, oh, the platform is set. It came later once I met this guy, and I realized what I wanted to be. And it that awareness switched, so I changed my thought process versus kicking rocks, poopy pants, the world's against right. me, people are against me, they all suck, and that's why I suck. And I flipped it. I turned it upside down on top of itself. So most people who are even hearing this today as we get talking, a lot of stuff I say, they're gonna say, Man, you must not love yourself, you must not have peace. No 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 no. What you're gonna hear from my voice here soon is passion, cause why? You're gonna make me relive my damn story. Yeah. And what you can hear out of me is me going back into hell, becoming the devil to get out of hell. So how I think about it is when I made the decision the conscious decision to become a warrior i realized that my my mentality had to be very different and what that meant was i had to put myself through a bunch of crucibles to gain the warrior mentality some guys are born with it i believe that some guys are born because they have some great childhood and their dad's tough on them and they build this mental toughness and this discipline this kid i didn't have this so i had to design a crucible to put myself through, to gain this warrior mentality. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by warrior mentality, which is why some people take what I say so literally, and they just say, my God, you're just crazy, you're gone. No, God had to put some people on this planet Earth to do very dangerous things to protect this country. Love it or not, I'm one of those people. So to have the mentality that I have, to be in a room that's 10 by 10, I have a weapon, I'm outside a door, I don't know what's behind that door. So our job as a SEAL, most of our time, like most of our job is to go behind, open a door, and say, surprise, we're here. The thing about the surprise is, I don't know what's behind that door. So to have that kind of mindset to say, I'm gonna look at AK-47 in the face repeatedly, you know what kind of mind it takes to open that door and not be afraid to shut that door and run away? I was building that callous mind through these things, bad waters through, so even after I became a SEAL, I was still on the journey to become a better warrior. And these races and all these events, I being an ultra runner. I saw, first of all, it was about raising money. But also, the selfish side of it all was I was building a warrior mentality by putting myself in the crucible of hell at mile 60 of a 135-mile race in Bedwater. What are you thinking? Blisters, shin splints, stretch fractures, pee and blood, maybe? What are you going to do now, David? How are you going to get the next 70 miles in this race? A lot of people set these great goals like they want to do Badwater or they want to do an Ironman or they want to be a millionaire or whatever they want to do. They have these great goal lists and they're, and they're amazing. Goals are important. But what we don't do in life, which is why people quit in SEAL training and they quit in these different things, we don't look at ourselves in the accountability mirror and take care of the number one thing before you start a goal. Let's take care of our insecurities because they're going to surface when you put yourself in the crucible and you're suffering, Mm -hmm. you may be the best physically fit person on the planet. If you haven't handled your mind and handled your jealousies, your insecurities, whatever happened to you as a child and in between, they're going to surface at the time when your mind starts to question, why the hell am I out here in this race? What, what keeps a person in the fight is knowing it's having purpose Having purpose. Leave the ego at the door because the ego will kill you every time. You will always quit. So that's why I was I've been able to get through things because I know I was a scared, uneducated kid who stuttered and had zero. And I had to look at myself in the mirror and hold myself accountable for who I wasn't and who I wanted to be. You're you're constantly looking for me. Everybody's journey is different. Everybody's journey's different. I was on a journey to see who David Goggins was. And that journey took me in some of the hardest areas a human being can even imagine. And right now at 41, I'm the happiest person on the planet because, you know, I had to climb Mount Everest several times just to look down on my life, to see what hell I came from. And that's what kept me going through all this stuff. Like I, I envisioned myself going through, like when I was a young kid and they called me nigger all the time, that got my dad beat the hell out of me and I was had no self-esteem. I had this vision of if I can make it to where I want to go. Imagine when I look back on my damn life, how proud I will be. And now I'm here. And I'm able to look back on this life I lived that many people will never understand. Because why? When you're passionate, they think you're crazy. And you can't even explain to people why you're doing or why you did what you did because you found your purpose. And once you find your purpose, you can't really explain it to normal people because they don't understand passion because they live everyday life just going, not really finding their purpose. So i become a foreign language to people They think, so they put me in a category of you're just crazy. No, 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 no. I'm passionate. I found my purpose in this life. Well, I had to create Goggins because David Goggins was a weak kid. So I created Goggins. So the crucible of life that I decided to take to become who I wanted to become, I created Goggins. Goggins is the guy I'm talking right now. David Goggins was the kid that got bullied in all these other things. And I, and I created Goggins. Mm-hmm. I created a guy I was proud of. None of it was external. I don't care about money. I didn't care about awards. I didn't care about medals. I didn't care about bad water. I don't care about ultra running. These were all things for me to build the the, the internal in myself. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like people, don't, don't get it twisted, man. This is, I did this to be proud of who I am as a human being. And most people live a lie. I hated the lie I lived. And the lie I lived was, I was nothing, and I knew I was nothing. And my journey, I, I wanted to be something. I wanted to be proud of who I was, and it took me in that direction. In 2013, 2013 yeah. I walked 105 miles, Right. and I spent seven hours in the vehicle from having so many issues with my body, and everybody goes, why didn't you quit, man? You could have killed yourself. It's not about that, man. I'm not out here to kill myself. You know, don't get it twisted, man. It was honestly, at that point, it became a whole new challenge. The challenge was always to do my best, but at that point where I saw my best was done, I took what (laughs) God gave me that day and said, well, I had to readjust the goals. And I found happiness and joy and peace. I'm like, okay, man, we're going to reset this damn boy. We're going to walk 105 miles. Right. And we're gonna to get to the finish line, and you're gonna walk 105 miles of bad water. It's gonna be horrible, and that's what happened. So, like I said, the whole lone survivor thing happened. I wanted to raise money for the Special Operations Warrior Foundation, which is a foundation that gives 100% tuition to fallen Special Operation soldiers' children to go to school 100%. So I found a great foundation, and I Googled the 10 hardest races, like you said, mm-hmm. and Badwater was number one. And I thought it was a stage race. I thought the Badwater 135 was a stage race where you would run like 20 miles, pitch a 10 or something like that, cook out, and go run <laughs> some more miles. I, I didn't know you could run 100 miles at one time, or 135 or whatever. I, it's humanly possible to me. I hadn't gone running over a year, hadn't put running shoes on over a year about 260 something 260. I, I'm not for sure I was over 250 I was a big boy and um, I hated cardiovascular activities I wanted to hit the weights and eat that was what I did but I also wanted to do something that would draw attention to this foundation so I googled that race and I called Chris Costman up mm-hmm. the race director of Badwater and he thought I was nuts and after he heard my story he said yeah I'm a Navy SEAL and, I, and he goes you got qualified." qualify pretty much Chris Costman is a stickler for his race you gotta qualify for Badwater so I called him up on a Wednesday in November of 2005, and that Saturday was this race called the San Diego One Day, where you run 24, you run for 24 hours and run a one-mile track. Mm-hmm. So he said, hey, you got to qualify. How you qualify? Is you got to run 100 miles in 24 hours or less. There happened to be two races before the deadline of the Badwater application. I think it was like January 19th of 2006 is when the deadline was up. So I call him in November, I, ha- I haven't been training, I have two months to qualify for mm-hmm. Badwater, and he says, I will consider you in my race if you can run 100 miles 24 hours. So three days later, I find myself in San Diego one day. Uh-huh. And I was married at the time, and my wife, who's now my ex-wife, was out there, and she was crewing me, and I went to Walmart, got a blue lawn chair, a mileplex, and wrist crackers. So here I am now, I'm out here, I'm this big black guy around all these ultra runners who this is the aua national championships in san diego and i'm out here running and i get to mile 50 40 50 and i start to break the bones in my feet and they're they're horribly broken the stretch fracture shin splints i'm in bad shape and at mile 70 i sit down for the first time i haven't peed or gone to the bathroom at all in over 13 12 13 14 hours I sit down and my blood pressure now is messed up because my potassium, electrolytes, all the things that you need in your body, food, I had nothing. So I get there and I'm at 70 miles and I have 30 miles to go, so I'm feeling pretty good by myself, but now I'm really messed up. And I sit down and it was the worst thing I did. My race was over. Once you sit down. It was over, man. So I looked at my ex at my wife, ex-wife now, and I couldn't get out of the chair. So I literally peed blood down my leg and took a crap up my back, and that was a whole new race now. Mm-hmm. And but I figured out a way to make this big ordeal, which was 30 more miles, and some of the worst pain I'd gone through. So what got you up out of the chair? Honestly, I create this thing called the cookie jar as I went through my suffering in life to become who I was. And the cookie jar was every time I failed everything so many times in my life. And failure and I would succeed. I would fail and I would succeed. I had to figure out how to succeed through failure. Mm -hmm. And I put a bunch of cookies in the cookie jar. The cookie jars are things, when I start to get the what was me mentality, which we all still get, even even though you can be very successful, I reach in and I say, oh, this is my childhood. And this is what I did to overcome that. I would remind myself, So, because a lot of times when you're in hell, you forget how great you really are. Because at that moment, you're suffering. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't think about the great things that you've done. I take time to really calm my brain down when it's stressed out and remember where I came from. And say, so, okay, no, we can do this. We can do this through a calm, patient mind, figuring out how to do it. So, I figured out how to do it, how to get salt, electrolytes, get some food, get some hydration back in me, get my blood pressure to the point where I could stand up. That was the first mission. And we all know we can walk 30 miles in 12 hours. But think about it, my feet were broken pretty badly. Yeah. So, but anyway, I got out of the chair, was able to get up, and I was walking like a 30-some minute mile. And at that pace, I wasn't going to make the time. Mm-hmm. And my ex-wife said, hey, you're not going to make the time. And at mile 81, I'll never forget it. This is when I truly realized, and I've been through a lot before this. This is when I realized how far short we have come as human beings. But whenever we feel pain and we suffer a little bit, we stop. And I didn't stop. And my brain knew mm-hmm. I wasn't going to stop. And I went to a whole other place because when she said I wasn't going to make the time, at mile 81, I ran the last 19 miles. Say. And that's when, I, at that point in my life, that's when I knew, boy, I really, really need to rethink the capabilities of a human being. I had to go to places that I, I didn't even know existed within my brain to overcome such suffering I had to go dark and going dark was, I had to go to that straight barbaric, geranimal mindset of like as bad as I was suffering, the suffering, I had to make it work to my advantage. I had to enjoy, I had to embrace the suffering. I had to really see, man, I'm, now I'm at mile 70. I've never gone 70 miles before. What if I can go 30 more miles in this situation? I, I had to talk to myself very differently versus being scared of what I was doing in my body because if I thought that way which a normal person should think that way but once again Mm -hmm. I have a warrior's mentality I thought the exact opposite what if I get through this being this messed up and it sparked my endorphins to say if I can go 100 miles or 30 more miles this messed up where most human beings couldn't I I just did the what if and I saw myself finishing this race in the feeling I would have after I finished it and it, and it got me through it. And that's why I always say before I start any interview. Any, that this is one reason why I didn't want to go on social media because people will take exactly what I said to you because why most people haven't found what they're passionate about. I did and I was passionate about David Goggins in this journey, my journey. It's not your journey, or anybody. it's my journey. And my journey was to see how far can I go. I came from nothing. I had nothing. I had nothing. No great mentality, no great family, no great education, no great, you know, I have sickle cell. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a hole in my heart the size of a poker chip, had two heart surgeries. I had nothing. And my journey was to see what I was capable of. So it wasn't like being a masochist, nothing like that. It was the fact that I wanted to see who the best me was. And I wasn't willing to settle for stopping at 70 miles. Right now, I'm very glad that I don't do that anymore. Like, I don't have that in me anymore. At that time in my life, I was looking for myself. Mm -hmm. And like I said, for myself. It wasn't about being a masochist, because it hurt. Yeah. I didn't like the pain. It was real. It was real to me. Um, I'm not a crazy guy. I'm not a masochist. I'm a guy that wanted better for myself. And if you're willing to live, yeah, it doesn't take you running 100 miles. It doesn't take you running on broken feet. It doesn't take you having all these things I had to run through. For me, it did. That journey for me is over. Uh-huh. Yeah, I will always work out. I will always have the Spartan mind. I will always say, stop feeling sorry for your damn self. get the hell up, because I know what you can do. That part of my life, so, The whole part of the journey is to get to the part where you find peace. Once you realize, why am I going to continue to do it? I now know for 100% fact, I can do anything I want to do. I'm going to fail probably a million times trying to do it, but I guarantee you one thing. You will then read about 20 years from now, David Goggins doing what he set out to do and he failed for 20 years. You're reading the paper. That son of a bitch actually did it. (laughs) Because I know I can. I figured out how a human being can endure more than what they think is possible With, with nothing. Like people think you need great parents, you need great all this stuff. They think you need to have all this stuff and they have this thing like, well, maybe it wasn't meant to be. If I had that mindset one damn time in my life, I'd be a 400-pound man spraying for cockroaches still. Right. So my whole thing is now I know how to think properly to be successful in all kind of aspects of life. Mm-hmm. And it's not about ultra running. It's not about just being a SEAL. It's not about pull-up records or anything like that. It's about if you want to be better, you have to change the way you your perceived limitations. hmm and take the barriers down. Motivation is crap. Like right now there's people out here right now who's gonna hear this podcast and maybe they'll think, you can think whatever you want to about David Goggins. I don't care because I know the truth. I know the truth. I know that my journey sucked and I didn't like it. I didn't want to be a seal. I didn't want to be a ranger. I I hate, I'm I'm afraid of heights. Uh I'm afraid of cold, dark water. That's why I was the only 36th African-American in 70 years to become a SEAL, Right. <laughs> okay? Okay, I, I was 300 pounds twice in my life. Um, believe what you want. Think I'm crazy, because why you think this? Because you can't see yourself going further than what you can. So you want to put a tag on David Goggins, well, tag me. I'm sorry to say, I say beyond motivated, because it takes that to be successful. I may motivate you right now. If you're living in Chicago and it's minus two degrees, And that motivates you to get out of your house and go run two miles. But that wind chill hits your face once you go outside. That motivation is going to go away real fast. Mm -hmm. You go back inside and sit your ass on that couch. A person that's driven and passionate, they go outside, feel that wind chill. They go back inside to get a new hat because I'm going to get my damn running today. Right. In, in this whole social media world that I really hate. I absolutely hate it. And yeah, I'm on it, I'm on it, but look at my messages. My, my message is to motivate you to be better. It's not about, look at me. Look at me, look at this. No, it's about me knowing what it takes to be better. I became a master at the mind. I'm trying to share it. That's all I'm trying to do. Why you can't find purpose? Because in your head, there's a bunch of noise. When I was younger, growing up, they called me this, they called me that. I had all that noise in there. The second I put on the kind of quote-unquote Bose headphones and silenced the noise, I listened to my internal voice. Half of us live our whole lives and never even listen to what the hell we want to do. He's not gonna let me in the race. So, there was one more race I could do, and I had broken feet and I was all jacked up. And it was called the Hurt 100. Very few people complete the Hurt 100. It's a brutal race one in the world. One of the hardest races in the world. In the world. And this was my second race I'd ever done. And it was a, two months later. <laughs> uh-huh. And the Hurt 100, 100 miles over almost 26, 27,000 feet of climbing in this jungle in Hawaii and it's brutal. It's it's almost unrunnable and it's just treacherous, man. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And I and the, the deadline was Jan was January 19th. I finished the race January 17th. I was in I was in a um, wheelchair with my ex-wife doing the five-page application process. I overnighted to Chris Costman. He got it and he's like, "You you're very driven man and right. you let me in the race but I couldn't run that much because my feet right. were so broken I did a lot of time on an elliptical trainer mm-hmm. I did hours
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the elliptical I did hours hiking with big rucksacks on and I just trained very barbaric because the race was barbaric to me it wasn't much about running in the first year I did bad where I got fifth place but once again I walked most of it I just walked hard and I, and I didn't. I didn't stop at all. I just, just walked hard. I just uh-huh. walked real hard, and I got fifth place. And then third year, second year, I came back and I got third place. Did not like twenty five hours right. something like this. If anybody's familiar with sickle cell, um, it's a blood disease that pretty much, um, it's called sudden death syndrome. A lot of African Americans who have it, they just yeah. pass out and die. So you know, my VO two max is horrible. My crit and all this stuff is horrible. After every race, I was either in a, on a in, in a wheelchair or whatever, because running with sickle cell is, is, is just not the smartest thing to do. Those those distances. At mile 50 of every hundred-mile race, man, I was destroyed. And I just had to find, but the feeling of the next 50 miles I had to go, I, I learned a lot about David Goggins and, and, and the will. It was always me against me. So no, I, I, I don't have any ability. And I'm not gonna ever let anybody make themselves feel better by telling me that I was some genetic freak. I'm not gonna make yourself feel better about that. You, I suffered. And I always say suffer because that's what I did. It was miserable. The races, every single race in Hell Week, in Buds, in Ranger School, I suffered tremendously. I was not—I should never have been able to do it, which is why I'm so proud of myself. I don't care what place I came in. I don't care. I walked 105 miles of bad water. Mm-hmm. I'm—I did it. Mm-hmm. That was the journey. That was the mission. That was it's about. It's not about, oh well, this guy's just a freak. If that makes you feel bad, it's fine. No. You can do it off just a breath of air in the right mindset. That's the message. So you you water down my message by putting me in a category of I'm crazy, I'm a freak, whatever. So I talked about my childhood, and if anybody thinks I'm some great person, listen to my childhood again. I had to change my thinking process, and basically the accountability mirror is what did it. I started shaving my head in my face when I was 16 years old. And I realized when I started shaving my face in my head, I, you have a lot of time to look at your reflection. And for something, it sparked in me. I'm like, man, I, I'm a piece of crap. Like I ducked school, I ducked school. I barely am graduating. I'm, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm all these things, man. And I had to really tell myself the truth. And so many people, when you say you're dumb, the first thing people say, oh, no, you're not. If you're dumb, you're dumb. If you're fat, you're fat. But if you're not willing to tell yourself that, and everybody around you in your circle continues to give you this positive feedback, if you suck, you suck. If you tell yourself you suck, that is when you become great. I got to become... I gotta get to the surface of who I'm not. And I held myself accountable. I lied to this person today. I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I'm this, I'm that. And I tell myself, and I fixed these issues and fixed these issues and that part was hard. It was hard to not be jealous of this person who had this and this and this, had nothing, nothing. It was hard to tell this person, yeah, I'm jealous of you. And I'm insecure. I'm a very insecure guy and I have nothing. It was hard to look at all that. I'm, I'm not real smart, and I had, but I had to fix these issues. And the accountability mirror was now looking myself in the mirror and say, "Wow, you fixed these issues." Every day of my life, even now. So if I were to say some little white lie, and I go to the mirror in the morning time, and I shake my hands like, "Man, why the hell did you say that to that guy?" It's the destruction of this this country. And I love this country. I've, I've, I've fought hard for it. I will continue to fight for it. And hopefully through mental toughness, it takes mental toughness to change how you look at things. And giving a person a trophy saying you're great when you're really not. If I had that growing up, there would be no David Goggins. Zero. There'd be no tough people. None, which is why the world is where it is today. A bunch of weak, uh, some weak people. Right. There's a lot of weak people now. I'm in a very small category of warriors, real warriors. And I want to say that is a whole different mentality. So I've worked with people who have the courage to jump on grenades and kill themselves to save everybody around them. That's the kind of mentality it takes to be a SEAL. Does every Navy SEAL have it? No. But that's what SEALs are. That's what we try to... That's why Navy SEAL training buds is so hard. We're trying to find that person who's willing to go the distance. And the distance is your life. So when I'm talking to people right now, maybe what I say to you does not resonate because why are you not willing to give your life for something? Every SEAL... At least most I can't speak for everyone Most of us are A lot of people Who go fight for this country A lot of them Are not Willing to do that Am I talking bad about them? No Don't take it And twist my words People like to twist words I thank you for your sacrifice I thank you for that A lot of people are scared Navy SEALs are scared also But a lot of us Have a way To realize What we have decided To do with our lives And it takes a great sacrifice And that sacrifice Could be your life And that You have to Be able to do that to become a warrior. If you go into combat scared, you can be scared, but you can't be so scared, it makes you afraid to fight. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. We're able to control that, and a lot of us are able to put ourselves in hell and become the devil. I've already, I had PTSD a long time ago. You know, you can get it in war, you can get it in life, and and you have to deal, and a lot of people cannot deal with it. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to deal with these things and realize I built up a pretty hard, like, I have a whole bunch of calluses on my hands from doing pull-ups. I also calloused my brain through my life, through suffering, through not saying no, for not listening to the negative energy, the negative people. And when you continue to move forward through hell and move forward past your fears and your insecurities and continue to push through this wall, your brain becomes really callous. And you're able to see things that most people can't even comprehend because you always, you never ran from the fight. You ran to the fight. Mm-hmm. And that built a different kind of mindset that allowed me to deal with very, very tough things. And that's the thing about it, man. Like you really have to want something bad. And that's the one thing I learned about life. You have to be willing to fail a hundred times to succeed once. And if you're not gonna do that, man, you're not gonna even get a fraction of what you're looking for. Failure is just a word. For me, failure was me having more information on how to succeed. That's all failure became to me. So I failed so much. Pull-up records, running events, had to quit this, buds, rangers, all this crap I had to go back through. All that was was, oh, I failed because of these reasons here. Go back to the drawing board, Figure out the right equation Mm -hmm. Put it together Go back Fail again Oh But I got more information So everything I was afraid of I made sure to meet it Right in the face And overcome it Right now um, What I'm working on now Is learning How most people think because my whole thing, why I was hard for me to go on social media, because why people would give me this weak crap. And I absolutely cannot understand this <laughs> freaking mentality. So I would just go off. Because I would go back to where I came from, and I would approach you in a way that was geranimal, animalistic. Like, what is wrong? Why don't you go somewhere in your mind where you find out who the hell you are? There's very few people, if any, that have done what you've done mentally. So I had to go back, and I'm always better in how I think. People will change their car, they'll change their underwear, they'll change their husband, their wife, they'll change their diet, but very few people change the way they think. And that's why they always fuck themselves in life. They never change the way they think oh, my house is old. I don't get a new house. I want to get a new pair of this or that. But the one thing we never change, why we always stay the damn same and never wonder why we're getting better, because we never change the way we think. I'm constantly changing the way I think. The core of who I am, I'll never change that. I'm proud of that. Warrior Spartan mentality. But how I deal with people, how you can touch people, you got to know what what they respond to. Now everybody's responding to me saying, look, get the shit up, man. Stop being a little punk. I got to see what's wrong with you. Think what I'm thinking. And then tell you what, not what you want to hear, but kind of what's going to motivate you. We're all motivated very differently. When you're passionate about something and someone's trying to tell you what you're thinking. Like a lot of people, some people tell me, well, do you find love in your life, or are you happy with who you are? I, I can't really give you the thing, but what sets me off, or you set me off, is just honestly, people reading into something, because we overthink everything. Stop overthinking. It's like, get the hell out there and do it. But there's going to be times in my life where some people just need to hear something from a different person, because it may May, like I said, thinking it may just change the way you think. If you ignore all those comments, which I do most of them, some of them you gotta attack. Cause why? I might put a spark in your brain mm-hmm. to maybe you may think to yourself, "Wow, hmm, that just changed my life." Right. So if you ignore all of them, you're ignoring the fact of why I am on social media. Right. To now tell you how I'm thinking, and not just hear the weak sauce you have that you're bringing my right. way. Well, what you do, what you're supposed to do is everybody has issues. You're a human being. You're fucked up somewhere. And that somewhere, or several somewheres, is keeping you in that same spot. Like, the spot is this. How do you lose 100 pounds? How do you run 100 miles? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you? Let me tell you how. Stop asking these fucking questions. It's how. Stop You're delaying the fucking process by wasting my fucking time. How I did it, I wanted it. So my process was, as I'm asking questions, I'm running to lose weight. I'm figuring out how to do it. Most of us sit back and say, God, I wish I could do that. And we wait. And we wait. And we ask more questions. And ask more questions. I get it. You have to have knowledge. To be great at something And to, to lose weight To be a smart You gotta have knowledge Knowledge is power But I'm gonna tell you right now man How much damn knowledge do you need You can go on the internet right now And figure out how to drop 5 pounds tomorrow Everything is right there at your service If you want it You will achieve it But if you wanna waste time And figure out Ask all of these fucking questions I'm gonna give you the same answer Stop asking the question and achieve what you want. If I asked a bunch of questions, I would still be trying to figure out how to do run 100 miles. So many people tell me, I would love to run Badwater one day. Why the fuck haven't you done it? You told me that five years ago. Mm-hmm. I, wonder, I had an idea to run Badwater. I did it in four months. <laughs> I qualified in four days and ran the damn race. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL, had to lose 105 pounds in 60 days to get in and do it. I lost the weight and became a damn seal. I wanted to be a ranger at 41 years old. People go, what do you want to do next? I don't know. I've already done it. Because the second I thought about it, I researched it. I didn't ask questions. I achieved it. We waste tons of time not starting our journey for asking so many fucking questions on how to start the journey. Get an idea, start walking and figure the shit out as you go. Vision quest. people can come at me with all that crap all day long when i say that right there to you i was a full-time navy seal there's 24 hours in the day i was an ultra races and how i did it was i had to be at work at seven o'clock in the morning i woke up at three o'clock in the morning i ran and then i rode my bike to work and i did the same thing and i came home if you want it you will find time in your life to do it if you don't want it you will continue to do exactly what you're doing now. Give me excuses. You're going to make up every excuse on why you can't do it. And that's why I can't connect it to you. That's why you hear the passion come out of me. And you mm-hmm. want to say it's anger. No, because I know it can be done. And you're telling me all this shit on why it can't be done. And then what you do is he's crazy. He's in a cage. No, you don't want it bad enough. If you want it bad enough, you will figure out how to make this shit happen. When I grew up, I'm 41 years old, and we always talk about the old days. It's not I'm not old, but it was a different time. Parents they actually whipped their kids, and they actually had things like that going on. If I was with my mentality today, if I was born now with my mentality today, it'd be such an easy, easy way to go. You can crack somebody, you can crack their will in a second. You're fat. Oh, my God. What was me? You can crack someone in a minute because they don't know how to twist it and find drive and motivation and passion to become better, to become great. That right there, you tell one kid he's fat, that may stick with him the rest of his life Mm -hmm. and take him down a whole other journey than the journey he's supposed to be on. This is a, a very different society. I think it's important to not go too far with it, but I always have to make sure that my refrigerator is empty. And what that means is, yeah, I'm successful now. I've come to a point in my life where I'm very proud of myself. I love myself for all you people out there who don't think it. I'm very peaceful. I love what I've accomplished. I'm so proud of that. But at the end of the day, the worst thing that can happen to a man is he becomes civilized. Once you become so civilized that you have everything you want That warrior mentality that I'm so proud of That I had to It wasn't I I wasn't born with it I had to go through the crucible of my life To acquire it You always want to keep that thing sharp like a sword So you always You don't have to sharpen it every day Like you did when you were going to combat Mm -hmm. But if you leave it alone for too long It gets a little dull And that's my mind I always want to sharpen I have to do these things every single day of my life But you always got to go back and sharpen that sword every now and then to make sure that that mentality is still there and your refrigerator is still empty because you always want to keep that edge. And that edge is what keeps you going forward. Courage, honor, respect all these things all these words are these words people use them as punch lines it's i would get to the core of these individuals because once you get to the core of who you are then we can succeed the truth their truth the real truth about who they are as a person and um i think it all really starts there the truth And knowing that you may not be a courageous person, you may not have this and that, but are you willing to um, find it within yourself to go through the very hard journey? A lot of people in this world have died 80, 90, 100 years old, and they lived a great life. They had a lot of things. But a lot of people who have died never really started the true journey that whatever you believe in, God, or whatever you believe in, if you believe in nothing, I believe we're all here to start a journey. And that journey is fucking hard if you choose your real journey most of us we decide to take a different journey in life it's a journey of least resistance and so what i challenge people to do is to realize that in themselves that yeah i have taken a lot of left turns and i should have stayed straight because why i wasn't good at something and it embarrassed me to not be good at something or I wasn't the smartest person, this or that. Whatever all these excuses are that we build up, find the truth of who you are. Go back to the start of your journey and go down that path. I guarantee you, if you finish that journey and you don't fear and waver and, and, and go places that are very easy, the other end of that journey, let me tell you, it is a peaceful end. Am I saying it's over for me? But I believe the hardest part of my life is over. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine anything else being worse than this. And, and that's the moral of the story, man, is um, stop putting categories on people and because you are insecure yourself. So it makes you feel better as a person to say, ah, this guy did this or this girl did that or whatever. It makes you feel that much better. People love seeing failure. It makes them feel so good about themselves to see somebody not succeed at something. It makes them feel better. I was extremely sick, I'm still sick now. So everything I talked about in my life, it comes at a price, it comes at a huge price. When you will yourself, so when you don't have ability and all you have is will, something's gonna give. And what gives is your internal system, so my adrenals Are shot. So your adrenals are your fight or flight. Like I discussed, I was scared of everything I ever did in my life, and I had to find something much deeper than myself to pull out, to to turn myself inside out. Mm -hmm. And how I did it was I used a lot of my adrenals, and I had to find this uh, to get through all this pain and suffering and fear. And basically, my adrenals have shut down all this, and everybody could say, God, is it even worth it? Sure is, people sure is mm-hmm. because that is my trophy not the sickness i knew what i was doing to myself when i was doing it i found what i wanted to do but it now i'm getting healthier but so i stretched out because while my hip flexors got so tight your so as muscle your so as muscle is what tightens up when you're in a fight or flight situation mm. i was in a fight or flight situation all through my deployments jumping out of airplanes being in scary situations doing things i hated doing with was my whole life pretty much that much. So muscle it got so tight, it started pulling on my T12, Right. collapsed my spine. You have a bunch of nerve endings going through there. I can go all day talking about this. And I got severely very sick. So basically what I did was I started this crazy stretch routine. And I literally have healed myself through the wow. discipline I had. And what people won't believe is I got to a point where I stressed out for 8 to 12 hours a day. And my hips got so tight that I couldn't even squat down. I had so much back pain. So that's why I, another reason why I started running. Running, you stay upright. I couldn't squat anymore. I couldn't do any of that power lifting stuff. So I just, only thing I could do is run. Running didn't bother me too bad. And it mm-hmm. got to the point where I couldn't run either. And my health got real poor then my spine was collapsed. And um, I just got real sick. And basically, I healed myself because nobody, no doctor can find out what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't run a lot. I couldn't do any activities, so I said, you know what, I'm going to bury myself in stretching. And what happened was I had this huge knot on the back of my head. The knot came from my spine collapsing and getting tighter and tighter and tighter. It developed fluid or whatever. Long story short, as I started stretching out, that bump started going away. And the smaller the bump got, the healthier I got. That's and I was like, amazing. what in the world is going on? So I would so shave every day, so I would feel this bump. And the bump... And you can see it right now. Yeah, 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 no, I can see it. Yeah. Most people think everybody's a bump in the back here. My bump was like this big. Mm-hmm. It was huge. And the more I stretched, the more it went away. The more it went away, the more the healthier I got. And I was like, man. So I'd be like, I'm gonna keep on stretching. So my stretching became a. It was crazy. And I got healthier. And I was like, my God. So I stretched more and more and more. I live like a monk, and that's how I still want to live, is like a monk. Mm-hmm. But in, people may say, wait, like one thing about me you're going to realize I shoot straight up how it is. I'm a straight shooter. Basically, I don't like doing it, I don't like social media. I can't stand it. I can't stand being out here, all this stuff, but I have a story to tell.
0: And the Beta Sheeple narrative. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. My email address is alpha male Buddhist at gmail.com. My website is alpha male Buddhist.podbean.com. And my subreddit is reddit.com forward slash r forward slash alpha male Buddhist that's my subreddit where you can comment and interact with other listeners and it's a great forum to sit and have an open dialogue so again thank you for listening and namaste